Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. September 12, 2021, I can absolutely tell you that I am so glad to be here in this place with you today. Now whether you're here for the first time or the 400th, whether you're joining us online or in person, I wanna tell you it's an honor and a privilege to spend some time today talking about where we've come from, where we are, but most importantly, where we go from here. See, it's all about timing, timing. Some people say that timing is everything. Remember when I had finished my third year at Red Deer College in Red Deer, Alberta? In the interest of full disclosure, I should say this, it took me three years to get two years worth of credits at Red Deer College in Red Deer, Alberta. Partly because I switched majors from political science to history, but mostly because I was a terrible student. I remember one night walking late again into my English class. The professor was reading an excerpt from Shakespeare. I don't remember what part of Shakespeare, but she was reading it. And when I walked in late, yet again, she looked up from Shakespeare, saw me walking through the door, and at the top of her lungs said this, get behind me, Satan. Uh, Okay, so I think that kind of summarized the frustrations that some of my professors felt towards me, this kid with all the ability, but none of the focus and worth ethic to carry it out. But anyways, I just finished my third year at Red Deer College, got two years worth of credits. Third year at Red Deer College in Red Deer, Alberta. My plan was that that September, I was gonna go continue my education at Trinity Western University in Langley. But in between that, I got a summer job. And I worked for the Alberta Provincial Government at a large government institution, and I was on the grounds crew. And I remember one particular morning, I was walking down the sidewalk on my way to go trim some hedges. And walking the other way was this girl about my age, and she was incredibly beautiful. And so I looked at her, and she was looking at me. I think she might have been mesmerized by my mullet, okay? But I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me. I mean, it's a moment we're having, right? So I'm looking, and she's looking, and I'm looking, and she's looking, and we're looking, and it's a moment. Like, if you would have come to me two months later and said, hey, remember that time on the sidewalk? I would have said, yes, I do. And I would have known exactly what time on the sidewalk. If you you would have said, remember sidewalk girl? I would have said, yes, I remember sidewalk girl. Now, fast forward three months. I leave Red Deer, Alberta. I come across the Rocky Mountains to Langley, BC. I'm at Trinity Western University. On my second day at Trinity Western University, my dorm, the leaders of my dorm, tell me that we're gonna take a girl's dorm out for a dorm date. I had no idea what a dorm date was. They said, okay, look it, you have a car, so here's what you're gonna do. You're just gonna go down to the parking lot, you and your roommate, and you're gonna find a couple of girls. You're, <laughs> this doesn't sound real great, but anyways, this was a few years ago, okay? <laughs> and, you're, and, and, and you're gonna say, hey, you're gonna take them to this place. Don't remember what that place was. What I do remember, however, is standing there with my roommate and walking across the parking lot was, now, keep in mind, let me reiterate again. I had moved from Red Deer, Alberta to Langley, BC, across the Rocky Mountains. Okay, had this moment on the sidewalk in Red Deer, Alberta, but now I'm in Langley, BC, make sense? Okay, so I'm standing there grabbing a couple girls because that's uh, great, okay? So, um, and walking across the parking lot is 
sidewalk girl. Sidewalk girl is walking across the parking lot. And my roommate walks up to her and her friend and says, hey, you guys want to ride? And they say yes. And she starts, the sidewalk girl starts to walk towards me. And I got a hat on backwards. She takes my hat off. She rips it off. She says, you're the guy from the sidewalk. <laughs> and I remembered her. But for some reason, I still don't know why, I pretended I didn't. She's like, you're the guy from the sidewalk. I'm like, sidewalk? What do you mean? That was Corinne. And she's my wife. And part of it is timing. See, some people say that timing is everything. Maybe you can relate a little bit. There, you can think of a moment in your life where it was just the right time and the right place. Or maybe you remember the opposite, wrong time, wrong place. They say that timing is everything. I'm not entirely sure that timing is everything, but for someone who's spent my life studying history, I will tell you this, timing is a lot. Timing is a lot. One of my favorite moments from history involves timing. It's called the miracle of Dunkirk. And it took place in the early summer of 1940, but to really understand the miracle of Dunkirk, I gotta go back into the 1930s with you. See, in Germany in the 1930s, the Nazi party, led by Adolf Hitler, had seized control of power. Now, the Nazis, led by Hitler, are among the most bloodthirsty, sadistic, violent, and evil regimes in all of human history. Their goal was world domination. And throughout the 1930s, they began building towards that goal. Until in 1938, Hitler annexed Austria and part of Czechoslovakia. And then in 1939, Hitler took the rest of Czechoslovakia. He signed alliances with Mussolini's Italy and Stalin's Soviet Union. In September of 1939, Hitler invaded Poland. The Allies declared war, and that was the official beginning of World War II. After defeating Poland, though, Hitler called a timeout. He stopped. He stopped throughout the winter of late 1939 and early 1940 until in April of 1940, Hitler unleashed on the world something called Blitzkrieg. It's a German word meaning lightning war. It was a direct response to and opposition to the trench warfare of World War I. See, in World War I, the two sides were just facing each other in this system of trenches, and the generals would send soldiers over the top of the trenches, tens of thousands of them. It was a slow-moving battle of attrition. The grisly truth of World War I is that the war was really won by the side that didn't run out of soldiers. So in World War II, Hitler decided, we're not going down that road again. It was in direct response to trench warfare. Lightning War, or Blitzkrieg, was a fast-moving infantry supported by mobilized artillery and tanks and dive bombers. And it was meant to punch a hole through enemy lines, outflank them, and then encircle them, where a small, well-equipped army could actually defeat a much larger army. And the world, in early 1940, was not ready for Blitzkrieg. Hitler defeated Denmark and Norway. He defeated Holland and Belgium. And then on May 16, 1940, Hitler circumvented the Maginot Line and entered into France. Same scenario played out. Punched through the enemy lines, outflanked the Allied forces, and began to encircle them. Except for this time, the stakes were high. 
Hitler had encircled 350,000 Allied soldiers. And they were on the run. They had the German army behind them, and they ran until finally they ran into a town in France called Dunkirk. The German army behind them, the English Channel in front of them, no place to go. Now, I think it's worth noting that your life and my life, in some ways, hung in the balance in May of 1940 in Dunkirk, France. Because if those 350 soldiers would have been beaten, would have been eliminated from the war, Hitler would have taken France quickly, taken England, and it's doubtful that he could have been stopped. Our way of life, our very lives, hung in the balance in Dunkirk, France. On May the 26th of 1940, King George VI of England called the people of England and the entire British Commonwealth to a national day of prayer. He said, let's gather together and let's pray that our soldiers would make it home. Let's pray that our country would survive. Let's pray that freedom would prevail. And by the millions, people all over the globe responded to his call and they prayed. We have a picture from that day. Those are people lined out outside of Westminster Abbey. They're there to pray that their boys would make it home, that their nation would survive, and that freedom would actually prevail. And yet the next day, the news was bad. German high command sent a message to Hitler. It said this, the British army is encircled. We proceed to its annihilation. 350,000 troops trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk, France, most of them British. The Prime Minister of England at the time, his name was Winston Churchill, and he came up with one of the most unorthodox, desperate plans in military history. He said, we're gonna send ships and boats, every boat and every ship in all of England across the English Channel to pick these soldiers up. 34 kilometers across the English Channel, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Privately, Churchill said to his advisors, we'll be lucky if we get 20,000 troops rescued out of the 350,000 trapped. He called it Operation Dynamo. But Operation Dynamo turned into the miracle of Dunkirk because of timing. Three things happened. Number one, inexplicably, Hitler decided to stop his advance 15 kilometers from Dunkirk. The German generals are pleading with Hitler, let's finish what we started, let's keep advancing, let's eliminate these 350,000 soldiers, but Hitler stopped. And the 350,000 soldiers trapped at Dunkirk were able to organize themselves and prepare to possibly be rescued. Secondly, at just that time, a fierce storm blew up inland in France, so fierce, in fact, that the German Air Force could not take off. Had the German Air Force been able to take off, the rescue at Dunkirk would have been a shooting gallery for a German Air Force who held clear air superiority at this time. And thirdly, and maybe most importantly, while there was a fierce storm raging inland in France, the English Channel was like glass, clearer than anyone can ever remember it. And so these fishing boats and sailboats and pleasure craft started going back and forth from England to France and back to England and back to France and back to England and the 350,000 soldiers trapped at Dunkirk were rescued 
sometimes the ship was only big for two or three or 10. And at the end of it, 338,000 soldiers were rescued. They lived to fight another day. They made it home. England survived and freedom prevailed. The Bishop of Chelmsford, Dr. H.A. Wilson said this, if ever a great nation was on the point of supreme and final disaster, and yet was saved and reinstated, it was ourselves. It does not require an exceptionally religious mind to detect in all of this the hand of God. Translation, God has a sense of timing. God has a sense of timing. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says it this way. Everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. So here we are, September 12, 2021. And what I want to suggest to you is that this is the right time and this is the right place. That it's no accident that my path would cross your path today. Timing might not be everything, but it sure is a lot, isn't it? Like, just imagine I'm walking down the sidewalk, and there's sidewalk girl, but what if she would have chosen to walk down the sidewalk five minutes later? Or I'm standing in a parking lot, and sidewalk girl comes walking by, but what if she didn't? And what if some other jerk in some other car would have invited her and her roommate to drive with them? What if Hitler wouldn't have decided to stop? What if that storm would have raged two days earlier or two days later? What if the English Channel wouldn't have been smooth? See, timing is a lot. And what I want to suggest to you is that it was God's plan that you and me would be here in this place on September 12, 2021, that it's no accident. I remember 10 years ago, we got together as a, as a leadership at Southside Church, and we started asking this really simple question. Why does Southside Church exist? Why does Southside Church exist? And we had like all sorts of great little reasons, but I was really looking for like one big overarching reason that really encapsulated why does Southside Church exist? And we met about it and we talked about it and we prayed about it. And I remember one time I was sitting in my office. Why does Southside Church exist? Why does Southside Church exist? And I changed the question just a little bit. I changed it to ask myself this. What are we here for? What is this church here for? And as soon as I changed the question, I knew the answer. What are we here for? Oh, we're here for the city. We're here for every boy and every girl, every man and every woman, every family, all our friends and our coworkers and our neighbors and our colleagues and our classmates. We're here to bring hope and help and home to the city. And as soon as we realized that we're here for the city, we knew what we needed to do. We knew that we needed to build a building. We knew that we needed to put roots down in the city. Ten years ago, we were not ready to take a big step, but we began to take a series of little steps. The first one that I can really clearly remember was this thing called Game Changer. Game Changer was when we bought ourselves a helicopter hangar. Okay, and that helicopter hangar was there. We called it the hangar, and it was there to host our midweek services, our midweek events, and our staff. And we didn't have any kind of... Ca- fancy capital campaign or anything like that. I just remember standing on the stage one Sunday and saying, hey, I got some news just before we close today. We really need $280,000. 
That was my glamorous pitch, you know? We, we could really use $280,000. And then it got even more fun because on Monday I came into work and our finance team said, hey, it turns out we don't really need $280,000. We actually need $320,000. So the next Sunday I came on stage and said, you'll never guess what happened. Remember how I said we need two? I meant three twenty. dollars Isn't that hilarious? I didn't find it super hilarious as I was saying it, but it turns out that it was perfect timing because the people of Southside responded with sacrificial generosity. And I remember a few years after that, we launched this thing called the Bold Campaign, the Bold Campaign. We already talked a little bit about it in the video. But it was funny because, you know, when when you do like a capital campaign, it's really great to be able to show people a piece of land. Like, this is the land that we want to build on. Or a blueprint for a building. This is a building we're going to build. But we weren't ready for that. So Bold was kind of standing up on a stage and saying, I got this vision. You know, let me try to make it clear. Journey with me, if you will. We're going to build something, somewhere, sometime. That's as specific as it got. But the timing was perfect. Because the people of Southside responded with sacrificial generosity. And we took another little step towards September 12, 2021. And then the more campaign and again, the people of Southside responded with sacrificial generosity, and we began construction late 2019. And the timing, again, was perfect. Let me put it this way. If we had waited one or two months to begin construction on this building, our cost would have been one and a half times minimum higher. If we had waited one or two months to begin construction on this building, there's a really good chance that with all the delays that were experienced all throughout the construction industry, we wouldn't be done to this day. But we're here, and I I believe that it's perfect timing. I believe that you and me, we're supposed to be here today, that our paths are supposed to cross today. September 12, 2021 is a time that we look back and say, what just happened over these last two years? No, no, that's not even accurate. That's not even accurate. I remember months ago planning this moment, planning this day when we could get together into this building. I remember thinking to myself that on that day, we would be able to ask ourselves, what just happened? But on September 12, 2021, we would really love to be asking what just happened, wouldn't we? But the truth is, here's what we're asking. What is happening? It's still a world full of challenges. It's still a a world full of pain. It's still a world full of hurt. What's happening? What just happened? But I think the question that you and me are supposed to answer, I think the question that you and me are here together, that our paths would cross today, I think the question that you and me have to answer today is this. Where do we go from here? How do we move forward? In light of everything that has happened, in light of everything that is happening, how do we move forward? See, I think that's a good question. So first of all, I want to suggest to you this. Number one, I think we move forward with help. I think we move forward with help. Let me put it this way, and then I'll explain. I, I think we need, to become to, we, we need to come to a point individually and collectively that we make this decision, and it sounds really glib, but it's huge, that we're going to make a decision for you and me, that we're going to decide that we're going to be a people, we're going to be individuals, we're going to be individuals, we're going to be a church 
that decides that we're gonna be lending, extending a helping hand rather than raising an angry fist. That we're gonna be a people who extend a helping hand rather than raise an angry fist. That's gonna be us. Well, neato, Mike. It's really, really great. It's really easy to say that from this stage, but it's really, really hard to do. So I wanna talk about that for a second. How can we be a people who choose to extend a helping hand rather than raise an angry fist? I think we need two things. I think, number one, we need humility. Number two, we need generosity. We need humility and we need generosity. Let's talk about humility for a second. It's been quite a two years. It is quite a two years. And whether you know it or not, I know something that's true about you. To one degree or another, you're hurting. And if we're going to decide that we're going to be a people who move forward with help, that we're going to extend a helping hand rather than raise an angry fist, number one, we need the humility, listen, to ask for help. See, I see hurt manifesting everywhere I look in our culture today. I see it manifesting as anxiety. And we're so fearful. I talked to a friend the other day. He says, man, I'm... I've gained a lot of weight during COVID. I'm like, so what? Who cares? It doesn't matter. He's like, oh, it matters. I know I'm not healthy. I said, oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Let's come up with a plan. You can lose the weight. It's going to be fine. He says, I can't. I said, I don't know what you mean. Like, first of all, you say to me, I've gained a bunch of weight over COVID, and, and it's bad for me, and I tell you, well, let's lose it, and then you don't want to. He says, I can't. He said, I've started overeating to numb my anxiety, and I can't stop. Because if I stop overeating, I'm gonna have to face my anxiety again, and I don't want to. I talked to a guy in the gym the other day. I said, how are you, man? He says, I'm not good. I said, what do you mean? He says, I'm so anxious. He said, I'm sleeping about one and a half, two hours a night, that's it. He said, you know what's weird? He said, before I got clean and sober, I never felt anxious. Like there's people all around this room today, watching online today, and we're getting lost in our anxiety. And I think anxiety took place before. I think anxiety was a challenge that we had before, but I think anxiety is a big deal now. You know why? Because COVID has stripped away the illusion of control. Like before COVID, I could maybe walk through my life and go, it's going to be okay because I'm going to look after me. I got control of this. It's going to be fine. But somewhere in these last two years, all of that has been stripped away. And there's, and there's this feeling of out of control. And people are getting lost in their anxiety. Number two, I see people getting lost in their anger. Man, oh man, do we fight about a lot of stuff. Have you noticed this? Everyone's mad at everybody else. What do we fight about? We fight about climate. Nice day. What are you trying to say? Ah, I was... uh. (laughs) We, We fight about politics. We fight about masks. We fight about vaccines. We fight about passports. We fight about everything. And so you got these people and they're just angry. And, 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 and then we get lost in our anger. 
And here's the root, by the way. Here's the root. This is what no one realizes. This is what no one's talking about. You know why everyone's angry? Because we're hurting. Hurting people hurt people. And I think we got to come to our... It's great to stand up here and go, hey, 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 we need to be a church. Extend a helping hand. Don't raise an angry fist. Cool, Mike. But if we don't get to the point where we're humble enough to go, you know what? I need help. I'm lost in my anxiety. I'm lost in my anger. Somebody help me. We have nothing to offer anyone. It's got to start with humility. There's people lost in their anxiety. There's people lost in their anger. And there's people who are lost in their isolation. I remember when COVID first hit and, and the lockdowns and the quarantines first hit, I had a lot of people in my life who said this about lockdowns. You have anyone like that in your life? Man, I love COVID. I don't have to talk to anybody. It's awesome. I was made for this. Oh, you introverts. <laughs> but now it's getting a little much, right? And I think there's a lot of people out there right now that are going, man, like, how do, I, how, do, how, do I, how do I even have relationships now? How do I put myself out there? My two-year-old grandson. Did I mention I had a grandson? Like, a couple months ago was the first time he ever checked into Southside Kids. And he was freaked out. It's brand new. And I think that's a decent illustration for, for our entire culture right now. Like, how do I do this? Be, because we actually need each other. <laughs> right? Like, if, I, if I'm going to ask for help, if I'm going to extend help to others, um, I need some others. But I look around our world today, and I, and I see the hurt, and it's manifest this way. People lost in their anxiety, people lost in their anger, and people lost in their isolation. I implore you. We need to get humble first. And we need to be people, we need to be men and women, boys and girls, who come to the point in our lives where we can just say this, I need some help, I'm hurting. And then, and then, we can extend a helping hand. One of the things that we've always said at Southside is this, that we can't fix everything, but we always want to be able to try to do something. We can't help everyone, but we can help Someone, that person that God places in our life individually or that group of people that God places in our lives as a church. And here's what's amazing. It's like this virtuous cycle. If I'm lost in my anxiety, if I'm lost in my anger, if I'm lost in my isolation, one of the greatest things that I can do for myself to step out of that is what? Help others. And, and, and when I live a life where I'm helping others, guess what, guess, what's ha guess what happens? All of a sudden, I'm more able to go, hey, I could use some help. And when I humble myself and I ask for help, I'm more likely to extend it to others, and it's a virtuous cycle. So how are you and me going to move forward individually? How are we going to move forward collectively? Number one, we're going to move forward with help. We're, we're going to decide. We're going to decide that no matter what happens, we're going to be people who choose to extend a helping hand rather than raise an angry fist. And it's going, to, it's going to take the humility to ask for help and the generosity to extend it. Secondly, we're going to move forward with home. That doesn't make any sense grammatically. We're, we're going to move forward with home. When I say home, here's what I mean. I mean connection. I mean acceptance. I mean belonging. It's an outrage culture. 
They, they, they call this culture, we're in an outrage culture. And I think there's part of us, we're, we're scared to say anything wrong, because if we do, we're gonna be canceled. And so we got all these people, and it's like, we can agree on 100 topics, but if we hit 101 and we don't agree, we're angry. And we part ways. It's amazing, though, because when you read the Bible, uh, God describes one of, the, one of the illustrations, one of the analogies that God uses for the church is a family. We're family. And when you walk in this building, I hope you notice, like, th- this place was built to be a family home. Every square inch of it. But yeah, for so many of us, we're just living in our feelings. Do you understand that? Like, as I, I, I talk about the, people, the fact that people are lost in their anxiety. Can we stop there for a second? There are people all over this world lost in their anxiety, and they're fearful, right? Think about this. What are they fearful of? Here's the tragedy. Mostly, they're fearful of other people. I always say there's people angry all over the place. They're lost in their anger. What are they angry about? They're not angry about the fact that their lawn died over summer. Although I, I am a little angry. I don't know what happened to my lawn this summer. It's a nightmare. I'm terrible at that stuff. But mostly, what are people angry at? Other people. We talk about isolation. Well, people are isolated from others. So, so here's what you need to know. That, that your feelings are being monetized. Your feelings are being monetized. Listen to me. Your feelings are being monetized. When you're fearful of other people, there are people that make money off of your fear of other people, right? When, when, when you're angry at other people, that's being fed because there's people who make money off of your ang- anger at other people. And, and, and so I stand up here and I say, this is a home. This is a home. This is a place of belonging. This is a place of acceptance. This is a place of love. This is a place of unconditional family. But when I get on my feelings, I look at you and I go, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't believe what I believe. You don't talk like I talk. You don't vote like I vote. You don't look like I look. You don't think like I think. And I say, I think on September 12, 2021, when we're on that diatribe, you don't vote like me. You don't look like me. You don't act like me. You don't think like me. God would say this, enough. 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 Your family. And family trumps feelings. We gotta make a decision, man. How are we gonna move forward? We gotta move forward with help. That we're gonna be a people, we're gonna be a church, we're gonna be individuals who choose to extend a helping hand rather than raise an angry fist. And we need the humility to ask for help and the generosity to extend it. But number two, we're gonna move forward with home. We're gonna stop focusing on everything that could potentially divide us and start looking at all the things that could unite us because family trumps feelings. So how are we going to move forward? With help, with home, and finally with hope. Romans 5 says it this way. You see at just the right time. At just the right time. Time is a lot, right? 
at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us at just the right time. Hope, hope. How are we gonna move forward? Well, we need help, we need home, but without hope, we ain't going anywhere. Experts say you can live for 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air. You can't live a second without hope. How are we gonna move forward? We can't move forward without hope. So let me tell you, first of all, I'm proud of you. And it's been quite a two years, hasn't it? It is quite a two years, isn't it? And you're still here. Whether you're online or in person, I wanna let you know I'm proud of you. But if you're anything like me, there's been some times, maybe you're there right now, where you feel like you're running a little bit short on hope. And that's why I stand here today and I wanna tell you something, that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. That Jesus stands alone among every worldview and every religion and all of human history. You need to hear this from me today. Because every worldview and every religion and all of human history says this, man, you want hope? Reach for it. Earn it. You want salvation? Reach for it. You want forgiveness? Reach for it. You want to find God? Reach for him. Man, there's all sorts of different ways of reaching, right? The first is like moralism, moralism. I just gotta be a good person. I gotta be a good person. How's that working for you? Hope it's working better for you than it is for me because this thought in the back of my head, no matter how hard I try to be a good person, I always think to myself, man, I'm not quite good enough. And for some people, for some people it's religion. I mean, it's rules and regulation and reputation. But the problem with religion is it always leaves you feeling, I haven't quite done enough. And for some people, it's just materialism, right? What's salvation for me? Money and stuff, acquisition and accumulation. Man, if I get enough, that'll be enough, right? But we find way back in the core of who we are, this thought that says enough is never, ever quite enough. And for some people, it's competition. I gotta win. I gotta be bigger. I gotta be better. I gotta win at everything. And when I get enough trophies and I get that corner office and I destroy the competition, that's gonna be great. But when the ticker tape parade fades, you're still you. And Jesus stands alone amongst all worldviews and all religions and all of human history. See, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left his throne in heaven and he came to earth. He was born in a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. One of the names that was given to Jesus when he was born is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Do you understand what that means? You don't have to reach for hope. Hope comes to you through Jesus. You don't have to reach for salvation. Salvation came to you. You don't have to reach for God. God comes to you. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And I remember the first time that Jesus filled me with hope. It was the middle of the night, in the middle of January, in the middle of Red Deer, Alberta. Stop me if you've heard this one before. 
but I'm just gonna keep telling it. Because I was at this point in my life where I thought that enough was enough. That man, if I, if I party hard enough, if I drink enough, if I fight enough, that'll be enough. And now I'm walking, I'm in the middle of the night in January in Red Deer. I'm walking with jeans and a t-shirt up to South Hill and I'm all by myself. And I'm like, this ain't working. And I reached the end of myself. I reached the end of my hope and Jesus showed up. Right there on the South Hill. And he saved me. And he's saving me. And he loved me. And he loves me. And I think it's pretty important to state because I could stand up here and go, oh man, like ever since the middle of the night in the middle of January in the middle of Red Deer, Alberta, hope, no problem ever. Not true. For me over these last two years, there's been many, many times that I've come to this point where I'm running out of hope and every time he's been faithful, he's shown up every single time. Sometimes it's a friend who knows exactly what to say. Sometimes I open up my Bible and I just read the exact right passage. But you know what it is most often? When I've been going through my life over these last two years, <clears throat> and there's this thought that starts to go through my head and starts to play around in my mind, and the thought is this, it's all over. 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 God shows up. And he speaks directly to my soul and he says this, it's going to be okay. Because of Jesus, it's actually going to be okay. And I think more than anything else on September 12, 2021, that's what I just want you to know. See, Jesus stepped into human history, Emmanuel, God with us. And he died on a Roman cross. And because Jesus died, what it means is that we don't have to live our whole lives being defined by the regrets and the shame of our past. That when Jesus went to the cross, he carried my regret, he carried my shame, he carried my sins with him and he put them to death. I don't have to carry them around with me anymore. And then he rose again. And because Jesus rose again, his invitation has always been the same. His invitation is this, come follow me. How do we move forward? There's only one way. There's only one way up. And that's to follow him. As he rose, we will too. And I wanna to say to you, directly to your soul today, it's gonna be okay. Because of Jesus, it's gonna be more than okay. To quote Dave Poole, who ripped off one of my expressions earlier in the video, I would say this, the best actually is yet to come. I'm gonna put that picture up again. I find that picture pretty amazing. Put yourself in their place. No idea what's gonna happen. The odds completely stacked against them. Down on their knees saying, God, we can't move forward without you. And I know that I'm not a king or anything like that. 
But I thought for me today, if there's one thing that I would like to do on September the 12th, 2021, I would like to declare today a day of prayer. So why don't you stand and let's pray. September 12th, 2021, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment that we're in right now. I pray that hope would rise, God. I pray that hope would rise. I, I pray that hope would rise in every man and every woman and every family. I pray that hope would rise in this place, that this building would be more than a building but a home, a home for help. I pray that we would be a people who would be quick to extend a helping hand rather than raise an angry fist. I pray that we would be people of humility, God, a place where it's okay to not be okay. And I pray that you would continue to shape us into a people of generosity. God, I pray that this would be a place of acceptance, that we would be a people of acceptance. You don't have to believe like we believe to belong here, but that family would always trump feelings. An unconditional love would come to define us. And finally, God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that hope has a name. Hope has a name. And because of him, the best is yet to come. So as we continue to pray with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I guess I just want to repeat what I said earlier. We don't have to reach for God. We don't have to reach for salvation. We don't have to reach for forgiveness. We don't have to reach for hope. Jesus did that. Jesus came and died and rose again. And because of that, all the work has been done. So what's our next step? Man, if you've never taken the time to accept that gift that Jesus purchased for you through his death and resurrection, man, what a great day. Whether you're watching online or in person, what a great day. What an incredible day. September 12, 2021. You know that his love is perfect, right? God loves you right now. He doesn't love some past version of you before you messed up. He doesn't love some future version of you after you get all your stuff together. He loves you right here and right now. It's absolutely incredible. It's the best news that I could ever share with you. Everything that needed to be done has been done. Emmanuel, God came to you. But today, I want to give you the opportunity. If today is the day you want to say, yes, Jesus, thank you. It's all been done for me. I receive it. I receive it. Whether you're watching online or you're in person right now, I just ask you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, can you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you right now. Nice and high if you don't mind. Amazing, 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 amazing. September 12th. 2021, big day, big day, big day. You can put your hands down. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you didn't wait for us to earn it, but you sent Jesus. So Jesus, I come to you right now and I ask that you would be my savior, that you would forgive my sins. I lay down my baggage, I lay down my regrets, I lay down my shame, I move forward, thank you. And today, Jesus, I pray that you would be my Lord. I want to follow you, move forward today, tomorrow, and for eternity, knowing that because of you, the best is yet to come. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, September 12, 2021, I'm not going to forget it for a long, long time. I love you guys a lot. I'm going to go get some poutine now, absolutely for sure, unless it's sold out. Don't eat all the poutine. 
and maybe even some rolled ice cream. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Good job. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.